Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cartoncast. My name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And this is the podcast where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. And today, for our ever-popular bootlegged segment, mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, something uh, something that, uh, that a guest requested that we take a look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, today, you know, we're in the midst of our of our holiday movie marathon, um, and uh, it was requested uh, by. Do, do you have the name here? I think it was like Lisa something. It was it was Alisa, and then the last name was Lisa. Oh, okay, Alisa Lisa. Yeah. yeah. Is that a pseudonym? Are they a JoJo's character? I think they may be a JoJo's character at heart. <laughs> God, I wish more JoJo's characters listened to our uh, podcast. I know, honestly, it's it's we we got uh, we have Jolene, uh, mm-hmm. we have um, Silver Chariot, but that's it. Yeah, honestly, they yeah, could well, just I, we could do a, they no. could do a little bit more networking on our. Behalf. I, I could I could I could do a bit without Silver Chariot. Oh, uh, I but mean, yeah, to, he he means well. But yeah, we are we're covering the holidays. Uh, we've we, you know we've done the big ones. We've done uh, Halloween. We've done Arbor Day. Uh, mm-hmm. But today we are talking about Dirkman Pittstain's New Year's Bash. New Year's is such a weird holiday to me. Um, it's, it it feels like Christmas Part Two. Yeah, it, it it never quite really identifies itself on its own, and it, it's it's dragged down by the necessity of the New Year's resolution, which is just a tradition oh, yeah. that needs to fucking die <laughs> it's got it's got to go it gotta away go. my new year's resolution for every year is to not have one and piss off yeah it, it, that i also have that but without the sarcasm mm-hmm. uh yeah I, I i loathe the tradition but i'll be honest dirkman pitstain's new year new year's bash it's hard to say man dirkman pitstain's new year's bash uh yep. got me to care about it uh, at least a little bit yeah, yeah it, it moved it from, like, oh, it's nice to have a week off Christmas, oh, hey, have an extra day, to, like, yeah, the, the sort of idea of newness during a time of the year when absolutely nothing is happening is, mm-hmm. is uh, you know, it's, it's refreshing. And, and, you know, the man himself really has the initiative. <laughs> he's, he's a proactive and provocative figure, He's a I, go-getter. I he's a go-getter he, and a go-haver. <laughs> he goes have. He, he has gumption and grit mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit of gum. Uh, but yeah, so so Dirkman Pittstain's New Year's Bash. This uh, came out in two thousand and nine. Uh, it's based, of course, on the uh, TV show Dirkman Pittstain, which is in the two thousand five two thousand seven range. Yeah, and, and in my opinion, maybe should have just been the one season. Uh, I feel like they tail. I, I feel like we're not going to talk about the whole show, but I feel like that wrapped up really well at the end of the first season with the entire mm-hmm. like, like um, with, with the entire like cowboy cabal. Uh, uh, plotline kind of closing up. Like, where do you go from there? Uh, yeah, and they found interesting directions, but it never quite got to the level of Dirkman Pittstain uh, undercover as a cowboy uh, cultist. Yeah, because they were like, oh man, that first season was really great. What if we have him undercover as a cowboy cultist, but in like Idaho? And it, it was it was really interesting because really he just we well it worked in that it was it was sort of a meta commentary at that point where like. The point is that uh, the undercover bit is sort of extraneous to the mm-hmm. uh, to the actual plot of the show. So, mm-hmm. like, it, he would go into other cults, but still be undercover as a cowboy cultist, and it just sort of worked. Like, they yeah, were just like, I, oh, it's just a Texas <laughs> thing. This is just how <laughs> they operate in cults. 
because because you know the key to a successful cult you know you have to keep your your inner circle strong but you also need new members and like I guess cowboys were kind of the thing, you know, the the renaissance of the Wild West. It's also us. something that just, like, everyone gives a pass to. Mm-hmm. You, you see a cowboy and you're like, oh, they're just a cowboy here. It's never like, <laughs> should there be a cowboy here? Everyone just sort of accepts that there is a statistically significant proportion of the population that is cowboys that is just sprinkled apo- uh, across the world. Yeah, you can't do that with other, like, semi-professions. Like, you know, you're walking down the street and there's a clown. There's an event, right? There's a clown event imminent. There's a dismissiveness that is applied to the existence of cowboys that is endlessly entertaining to me. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they... uh... The movie originally they wanted to have it come right on the heels of the uh, the end of the second season, but they had to go into script rewrites because it was uh, it turned out that the script was actually just Die Hard, but with the proper names changed. It was so awesome that they took that long to figure it out. <laughs> they were like, "All right, we're in the first day of production. Now wait a minute." It still held up in courts. Like they're still mm-hmm. litigating this to 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 this day. I mean, like it's not like a, a a ball buster of a case or anything. It's just like it takes time to get all the affidavits from the relevant producers. Yeah, it's like is Bruce Willis going to make, you know, 20,000 off of this lawsuit or 30,000? It's it's it's, it's in really the in the weeds. Yeah. yeah. Um but the the movie itself kind of was that nice shot in the arm. Um it, it it brought him back long enough for them to do another wave of merchandising. I I don't know if you can see this here. I have my Dirkman Pitstains uh, Kick 'Em Up Ninja. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I, I can I, I definitely see it there. Yeah, uh, that's I I was surprised by uh, the the, the Kick 'Em Up Ninja being the way that they went with the mer- merchandising. Mm-hmm. He he's certainly mimetic enough. I just didn't think that he really said his piece in the movie. Well, yeah, he he was more of the like strong silent type, but also comic relief. Like he would constantly bumble over himself. Um, sure, um, but he 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 played it off as stoic. Yeah, um, he, he's <clears throat> almost like he's almost like a Totoro, but not in a Totoro movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my Ninja Totoro. You know, yeah, the, the, the just local a big ninja mascot Totoro. <laughs> that happens to snack snap necks. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. On on his off weeks, yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, it, it was well-received in general. It didn't make a ton of money. It wasn't a huge release, but um, people liked it. They said that the licensed soundtrack was very well integrated, um, sort of the recent hits of those years. Yeah, uh, and the, the, the soundtrack, soundtrack is well-remembered, by, uh, especially because of one of the uh, vocal performances of Dirkman Pittstain, uh, which is uh, Shemp Brown. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he, uh, Shemp is, is, is not a singer by trade, but it's sort no, of he, an American, yeah, yeah. it's, it's no, sort sorry. of American Idol situation where it's just like, he puts so much effort into the songs that even though the songs are horrible. Oh, just, just the, you know, uh, they're the, well, the low end of the low end. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's one of those like negative appreciation. It flips back to positive because you can tell he's having such a good time. <laughs> like throat singing and beatboxing, I did not think could be reproduced in the human throat. And as it turns out, they cannot. <laughs> yeah. It's it, A for effort. Uh, yeah. S for effort. I say. Ooh, S-ranked. Yeah. It, oh, it's an S-ranked. This is an S-ranked show in a lot of, or an S-ranked movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it has the soggy middle. There's no there's no avoiding that. It, it is, um, you know, you're there for the set piece, like a five-minute clip of nonstop cool stuff happening. 
um, like that you can very easily like watch on YouTube. Um, but then there's, you know, the middle. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But I think that this movie starts a lot stronger than it ends. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do appreciate the ending. I, I think it's quaint. Uh, I I think that it lets the character settle if they don't decide to pick it up for yet another season. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So let's let's talk about these characters briefly. Sure. Um, <clears throat> Darkman Pitstain, of course, uh, the lead, the title role. Yeah. Um, they they have the um, you know the the same voice actor from the series. This is uh, Margulis Intelligo. And, and uh, it's Shemp Brown just for the singing bits. Yeah, because you know, like Darkman Pitstain's not going to sing over, like in the background of his own movie. You know, he's he's going to do action and and say one liners while the music's going on, and it would be it would be um you know divergent. It would be confusing. Well, it it is confusing because what happens is that he lip syncs to the song mm-hmm. that is being sung by Shemp Brown as Margulo uh, Intelligio. Uh, did I get the Did I get the name right? Yeah, yeah, Margulo Intelli. He's an Italian actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like when Shemp Brown is singing and he says like, "All oh, my love for thee is never like the blood in me." Yeah. And like Dirkman Pittstein is saying like, "All all the love in me is uh, is you know." He's not actually saying it. He's just lip syncing it while he's doing his action things. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I can't I can't do either voice honestly. No, no, it's okay. I mean, like they're 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 textured voices. Uh, most of mm. the dialogue is being done as Margulo has a mouthful of walnuts. I think that that mm-hmm. was, I don't know whether that's a Dirkman Pitstain thing or a Margulo thing, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, well, that was a character affectation chosen for the movie. You know, they, 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 it, it was just kind of easier to do. They, they were trying to rope in the nutcracker, you know, that whole Christmas thing. Yeah. Um, and kind of update it. So like, he's so cool and tough. He can break walnuts open with his teeth. Yeah, the whole um, overpowered action hero thing, it needs a little bit of, need, needs a little bit of edge, needs, needs a little something else to get it through the, to get it through production. Yeah, um, and, you know, we, we, we've seen the classic action hero before. What really sets Dirkman Pitstain apart, I would say, uh, is, is not just, like, the sheer, like, beefcakiness of him, or, or the, the, you know, of course, the Pitstains that are... Uh, emblematic of the character, mm-hmm. you know, they're on all the action figures. They they take up a wide circumference. Yeah. Uh, by the um, way, also we, the fact we we oh, sorry. we we didn't say it. Uh, the pit stains that we keep referring to. If you haven't seen the property, first of all, go check the show out. Yeah. Only the first season uh, is necessary for all of it, but you'd, you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't check out the entire runtime. Uh, of course. The pit stains are actually pits of fruit that he just, like, constantly eats and it dribbles down his shirt. And so the pit mm-hmm. stains are not, like, armpit stains. They're just pit, yeah. it stains from pits of fruit that are just on his shirt. And he does not change shirts. To my understanding, through the entire run of the show... Yeah, well, he's got, you know, he's got that cowboy duster, but the underneath it's just, a you know, a muscle shirt. He always um, takes off the duster and very politely folds it across the chair before he starts eating. Yeah, and, you know... the. the they couldn't have just nonstop fruit eating throughout the movie, so the walnuts are good because it's like, oh, these are pits. They're kind of like pits in terms of their shape and general graveliness. Yeah, I think they were trying for a theme that didn't really get played out in the movie. Like, it doesn't have mm-hmm. the runtime that the show does to really 
explore the whole pit of the fruit is the useless part, but it's the part that stays on you, so we get the stains. <laughs> it's <laughs> there, was, there was a deleted scene where he like goes through and explains all of this, but the the mixing was too bad. Like all you were hearing was the beatboxing. <laughs> I, I I didn't see the deleted scene. What uh, did that have the kick him up ninja in it as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, well, he was the one providing the narration, but it was mostly kicking sounds. Okay, cool. I, I would be interested um, to see that if you have a link. Uh, and this, of course, was directed by uh, Nomely. So that is, that's just, you know, the one, one title. Name. It's like Cher. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nomely, we've seen before direct uh, an earlier film, uh, the, the 90s film Cat Grab. Wasn't... I, I remember there being like a lot of anti PC uh, problematic uh, language in that one. That it, I think, did it get canceled or am I misremembering? Uh, if it didn't, it should have been. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to cancel something in the '90s. Like everything was kind of okay. <laughs> yeah, if you if you if you get canceled in the '90s, there's kind of a consensus that you should be canceled. Yeah, I would agree with that. I guess that. that's why I didn't see it. Mhm. It it was it was a lot more niche, you know, they were still working out a lot of their uh techniques. It was it was very early and crude and crass and you sort of have to play to that crowd if you don't have good production values. Yeah. I I I think that makes sense. Um but the production values in this movie are are quite good. What did you think of the animation? Better. Um so it, it I th- I think they uh what was the name of the director again? Normally yeah, uh, Nomely, he did have another work, uh, Cellar in the Sky, which, like, I think... Oh, that was Nomely. That was Nomely. I thought it might have been a Miyazaki, just the name and also the fact that it's generally pretty good animation. No, it's Nomely. Um, mm-hmm. he, he was really trying to, to flex a little bit some of his animation chops from way back in the day. And by way back mm-hmm. in the day, I mean the 1920s. Nomely is ancient. Yeah, a very Methuselah, you know, broke into animation game after having served like 50 years as a general. Yeah, he he looks like Count Dooku. <laughs> Do you think maybe he is? I mean, like, look, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> he's he's Duke-esque. Yeah, Wikipedia couldn't even figure out what to do with his history. <laughs> they were just like, we give up. Mm-hmm. Do Do your own research. You know, and I think he's trying to work on a couple last projects before, you know, he kicks it. Um, I, 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 I'm game for it, as long as he doesn't show his face in any interviews, because it's haunting. It's like a Deadpool thing. It's like Picture of Dorian Gray, but you age as you look at it? Yeah, it's like the Picture of Dorian <laughs> Gray started getting on in eight years, and he's like, I really need some way to filter all this age out, and he got a Picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> like, like, a little, like a little wallet portrait? Yeah, Picture of Picture of Dorian Gray. The business card of Dorian Gray. That's the, that's what that's what we're talking about with Nomely. Mm-hmm. A king and, to and, a you know, lich king. You see, you see his old timey influences. Uh, Dirkman Pitstain is not driving like a fast car, or he doesn't have his horse from the show. He's got one of those old like penny farthing bicycles. How do you feel about the um, juxtaposition of there being? You know, sound. It's a talkie, as as most movies are, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, it also has those cutaways to those old timey, uh, you, you know, like uh, Charlie Chaplin would say a thing and then you'd cut to a placard of uh, a sentence in cursive. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? I, I think that's a, a result of the poor mixing. They needed to because like you go to a movie theater, what you're going to have subtitles in American film. Get out of here. That That's like, one hell of a band aid. You need to be able to understand what they're saying. That is one hell of a band aid. 
Well, he, you know, he can't hear very well. The mixing's not going to be the best. Well, I, I guess so. It just it's it's a strange thing to use good mixing for the parts that we absolutely need to understand, and then the parts that we don't need to understand really requiring the subtitle of uh, mm-hmm. the cutaway cards. It it there's it's dialogue that doesn't ne- necessitate underlining at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Other characters, we have Kick'em Up Ninja, as I said, sort of a, a comic relief slash exposition dump. Yeah, he's, um, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a mascot. I like the romance, uh, subplot with him. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's surprising to see it here. Yeah. Uh, just, um, but I, but a, I, didn't, a string, I didn't hate it. A string of trysts with other martial arts aficionados. Right, because everybody loves the story of, like, the, the guy who can go, like, Samurai Jack when he was learning all the different martial arts from all the different characters. But what if he was also boning down with them? Yeah, it, it's, it really seems like, like, like a an sex martial arts vampire. It seems like a—and in the course of the movie, it's kind of his whole training arc. He kind of does the standard shonen protagonist training arc, even though it's not really about that. It's all sort of happening in the background. You know, Kick'em Up Ninja will be like— uh, Dirkman, you got this. I'm gonna. I'll pop off for a couple of minutes. I'll be right back. And then he goes and has a showdown with a uh, like with with like a sumo expert. And then, mm-hmm. kind of as a way to seal the deal to get his next technique, they just bone down on the mats. You're right. Yeah. And but it isn't just business. Like there's emotion there. Yeah, it's business and pleasure. Yeah, I, I, which I which appreciate. I- um, Buck Wild is one of his, uh, you know, conquests slash, uh, uh, trainers who ends up teaming up a little bit. I think, I think Horse he was a martial bit arts. Char- yeah. Yeah. I think he was a bit character in the, in the first season, but they wanted to bring him back and expand him and, uh, do something about that warehouse of Buck Wild action figures that they didn't know how to market. Yeah. The, I mean, from what did, did you, did you see the story about why they had so many? Well, I thought it was because they didn't know how to market um a martial artist in full bdsm gear <laughs> yeah i mean there were questions were asked but <laughs> yeah. um and the movie they, they answers had... some of that questions we get like no it's not a sexual thing and no one believes him obviously but it's mm-hmm. you know they, they they at least give you plausible deniability to buy the toy yeah well what happened was that you know they contracted with a factory to make the the action figure um but then that factory like burned down um, so they were like, oh, I guess we have to order from another factory. But then like the, it, it never like the order never got canceled. So they ended up with way more once the other factory got picked up off the ground, you know? Oh, wow. I, I, I had heard that there was some like industrial industrial espionage with that uh, factory burndown thing. You know, Gimp Cowboy, a lot of political enemies. No, no kidding. It's, <laughs> it's so strange that uh, you can put a cowboy anywhere and there's no questions, but gimp cowboy, and suddenly you got the uh, <laughs> child protective services on your ass. Yeah, <laughs> and on his ass, as he prefers. Yeah, yeah that's his weird kink, is that he just loves being uh, shamed as a, a degenerate, uh, a, a, a depraved sexual being. Yeah, uh, and, and that's the name of his paddle, is child protective services. It's got a big CPS on it. I the... love that. <laughs> he's like i'm doing this so that the kids can't be exposed to it and then like on the on the reverse side of the paddle it's like one of those kawaii faces with the wink mm-hmm. it's yeah very it's, good it's <laughs> uh i guess the last uh important character is sort of the uh mastermind of the entire mm. you know plot this would be the doctor no right yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the baron of avocados the avocado mm, yeah. baron yeah, and and he's um, 
you know, the reason why he ties into the New Year's idea is because avocados are those are those fruit where like you got to eat them at exactly the right time, mm-hmm. and it's like you got to make a New Year's re- resolution at the right New Year's revolution, New Year's resolution at the right time, right? Um, and and he's basically embodying this idea that. Um, Everybody is going to miss their opportunity to better themselves on the first day of the year, the only day when you can better yourself. Um, and, and so he likens that as a metaphor to the avocado. Yeah, it's it, and it goes along with um, kind of his uh, Dirkman Pitstein's personal uh, mm-hmm. his his personal theme, which is that even when the things are not appropriate or they're not used, like it, even even when it's not particularly the right time to learn a lesson, he still learns it. Even if it's not particularly the right time to eat the fruit, the pit stains are still going to be on his on his shirt, and he'll be proud of them. Yeah, he, he's a man of the hour, and that hour is all the time. <laughs> that is a good way to put it. Uh, <laughs> the, the avocado baron doesn't have a name, per se, or at least it's not definitively it's not stated. Specified. Well, yeah. it, he, he, his accent is difficult to place. Um, I heard both Brando and Stewin uh, at different points when he was referring to himself. I don't know if they're last names, if they're first names. Avocado Baron is is the is the job function there, uh, and so that's what we're going to refer to him as. Yeah, this isn't the kind of uh, movie where you need big like uh, a lot of development on the villain end. You're here for the hero. You're here for that power training arc. You're you're here for him to kick ass. I, I legitimately uh, thought that Chutley Wernstrom, the um the actor who portrays uh, Avocado Baron, mm-hmm. I thought that he was just stoned most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of. I think he's going through that whole Johnny Depp uh, reimagining thing, but he's he's not quite sealing the uh, the exit from hard drugs. Yeah, yeah. Chutley's got kind of one of those like uh, you know child actor troubled pasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think I feel for it honestly. I think I think they've started to clean up in recent years, but it's 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 touch and go. It was back in the era where it was okay to method act children, and the uh, thing that he was acting in was a kidnapping scene. Uh, so they did. <laughs> yeah. No one told him that he was going to get kidnapped. Uh, and, and then he went to kidnap other people, too. He, he's like, I need to understand both sides of this. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that was part of his therapy. It's like, I, I, uh-huh. I don't remember exactly what was going on when I was kidnapped as a child actor. So now I have to go and do it to others. Mm-hmm. And that led to a whole Buffalo Bill situation that I don't want to get into. I'm not willing to yeah. excuse it. But <laughs> did, did you see Chutley on the, um, that reality show, Touch and Go? No. How was it? It was good, you know, like, uh, I, I, for, for the listener, uh, the main con- concept of touch and go is you are given a time limit to find a thing and uh, basically touch it, prove that you've touched it, and then return to base before the end of the time limit. And it, these can be really, you know, it can be something simple like a banana, and you're like, oh, I got to figure out where the closest grocery store is. But it, it can be things like, you know, uh, a child's laughter. You're like, okay, yeah. I need to think through this. The proving is the issue there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wasn't that the one where he had beef with Pitbull? Yeah, yeah. Um, Pitbull did not like his approach. He's like... Okay, if I need to get, you know, uh, uh, like a loaf of marble rye. And he's like, okay, in order to get this marble rye, we got to kidnap somebody. And Pitbull was like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a... That's, I can't do a Pitbull. Seems I, like I, I don't jump. know. <laughs> no, no one can. Even Pitbull has a hard time with it some days. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, I think I think that's most of the characters. You know, there's some there's some bit parts. There's like henchmen, uh, henchwomen. Of course, yeah, and and they all very helpfully uh, wear name tags. Hi, my name is henchman, henchwoman. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, instead of he, she, they, them pronouns, they all just use hench as kind of a catch-all. Yeah. Which I think is is the way of the future. I'm honestly, I cannot wait uh, to be referred to as hench. Mm-hmm. Hench for life, I say. <laughs> but yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, um, so uh, we're going to be hearing some of the, you know, licensed soundtrack from that era. So, you know, you're going to have your uh, bringing sexy back for some of the steamier scenes. You know, you're going to have uh, Soldier Boy mm-hmm. more than once. I, I um, Oh, many times. But but we start off with um, to, to the song uh, Feel Good Inc. by the Gorillas. Yeah. And um, Dirkman Pitstain is like finishing up one of his missions, right? It's Classic this, this is sort of action movie in media res. We're introduced to the main character. We're seeing him do the thing he do. And he's, you know, this is. Uh, they, they did want to keep some of the diehard stuff, so he's in the vents of the building. But the the juice from the fruit he's been eating is like just dripping down through the vents, and, and uh, you know he gets spotted, and he has to action his way out of the out of the building. It's kind of a nice Batman moment where they're like, "Oh shit, it's Dirkman," because like who <laughs> else like, is no, going to be who else is going to be eating fruit in vents? <laughs> That's how you get ants. Exactly. Um, I I don't fully understand like. Like, it doesn't matter who these original bad guys are, but I didn't quite understand what their goals were. Why were they collecting all the pashminas? I, I don't actually... Re- I don't think that they really... You know, any good action movie has a disdain for plot relevance, you know? Sure, uh, sure. It, It's just, how do we get them all in the same bit? That, that was and they really movie. disdain that character, plot relevance. I didn't... Uh, he's kind of like the Basil Exposition, and every time he starts talking, Pitstain's just like, boom, right in the right in the face. Yeah, well, he's kind of like Oracle from, uh, like, The Matrix, right? Like where, Oh, yeah. Where, was it Oracle? I can't remember the names, but it, like, the, um, the sort of arbiter of the entire reality in which they land. Not even Basil Exposition, more like... God, what directs Basil Exposition to say the things he says? <laughs> uh, yeah, so so he he does he does show up at some point. I can't wait for him. But um, yeah, as far as this pashmina caper, I, I honestly I w- I wondered if it was just kind of a counterculture. We hate the things that rich people like, kind of thing. Yeah, it did give us uh, uh, some good shots of him, like, strangling people, but then the fibers aren't strong enough, so they break, so he has to keep grabbing new ones off the assembly line. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, it felt like a, a, a what was that one, sh- oh, that one movie, Naked Gun, 33 and a third uh, something? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. The, the, the action movie spoof. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of what it felt like, but this is playing it straight. So, mm-hmm. like, you get the feeling, like, the cinematography really wants you to feel... Like him grabbing multiple pashminas is getting cooler with each pashmina, and it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't and the, and quite. The patterns work. get more elaborate. <laughs> it yeah, it doesn't quite work. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What what does work for me is when the bomb goes off. Uh, his way of getting out of the building, which is to just like do cartwheels so he can catamari himself with this protective shell of bad guys and cartwheel out <laughs> of the building during the explosion. Yeah, he like punches through one and his arm's stuck, and he does that with all of his limbs. And it's just, like Kung like, Pao almost. The, uh, of all the scenes in the movie, this one has the best audio mixing because you can hear all the splutches. They actually, yeah, there was 
you know, back in the dark ages of uh, shooting films, there was a bunch of stock sound effects of people legitimately being punched holes through in order to create mm-hmm. the sound effects. They didn't have good Foley artists back then. They couldn't approximate it. You are listening to the sound of four different people dying in different decades. Yeah, th- these are sound effects from Gnomely's personal stash. Yeah, yeah, he, he's, he's got a weirdly large collection. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so we're going to move on to, um, you know, sort of where we are getting the exposition of everything that's going to be happening. We're, we're cutting between a few different scenes of the uh, avocado baron, you know, making plans. The the, sh- the long and short of it is he is going to um, uh, engineer a worldwide sale of perfectly ripe avocados uh, in order to get people to just kind of gorge themselves on New Year's Day so that they fail the resolutions immediately. Right, but it it's it's not merely that. It's also in the grand tradition of James Bond villains having a quirk. Uh, oh, yeah. His whole thing is he has not merely disgust, but outright disdain for anybody who eats an avocado uh, or any piece of food before it's the best time to eat it or afterward or if they don't use the right knife. Um, mm-hmm. And, and Darkman Pitstain's whole steez is like, Every time's the right time. Yeah, I'm living fast. Dirkman Pitstain should be fast and loose, right? He's, he's certainly loose. And like a, a weirdly ima- <laughs> a weirdly long amount of time devoted to this movie, and I don't remember this from the show, of him being like, oh boy, it uh, barking on the back door, diary is coming, gotta go. <laughs> and, and and watching the, the bathroom door and just hearing the sounds. He's really cranking that Soldier Boy. Yeah, that, and, and that's where the song comes in. Every bathroom scene, Soldier Boy, I tell you. <laughs> um, he's not feeling good, Ink. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't dislike it. <laughs> there's that scene later on where he's confronting the Avocado Baron, and he picks up a per- like, uh, uh, you know, he's like doing his master monologue, and he's like, uh, you know, offers him a perfectly ripe one, and he just eats through the shell. <laughs> yeah, it's like, damn, you really, uh, you really cut through all of my, uh, all of my ideals with that one. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I say you should eat it perfectly ripe, but I didn't mean that. But this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. So we are going to uh have a few scenes where Pitstain's trying to kind of like piece together the threads of, of this, um, he's of this much, plot. He's not much of a PI. He's, he's not, he's not a thinky man. It's and in so fact, fun he's... that we have a secret agent with absolutely no support. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, yes, it's he's just talked like... to by the Basil Exposition God character, but he doesn't listen to him. And there's no, yeah. like, he doesn't have gadgets. There's no one telling him where to go and when to go there. He just sort of shuffles around. Uh, yeah, like like plot relevance will give him information. Like, okay, the the bandits are going to be striking at the mall at this hour, and Pitstein keeps thinking it's like a metaphor. Like he can't quite. <laughs> it's very endearing. Um, yeah, so that that's really good. And plus, he's like pretty hungover from Christmas. Right, that's the other thing, is 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 sort of the meta-commentary on, like, we can't really devote ourselves to New Year's um, without going through the motions of recovering from Christmas. And, like, At it doesn't least get lip its, service. It doesn't get itself, it doesn't give itself a, doesn't give it a fair shot. 
Uh, but we mm-hmm. get a very fair shot by the end of the movie. So, yeah, we get a we get a fair shot of uh, lip service as well as fan service uh, and room service. The triplet uh, assassins. Yes, uh, we should we should probably get into that. Um, it's 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 not too long from now that we uh, that we meet up with Kick 'Em Up Ninja. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kick 'Em Up Ninja, like it's very fun. Because the movie has just gone through this, da 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 and they do like the whole <laughs> intro thing. It's not quite a James Bond, but it's 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 along that line. They've done the whole in media res, getting out of an action scene thing, mm-hmm. and then they do the same thing with the same plot and the same Katamari <laughs> like uh, uh, egress from the from the exploding building. Uh, but and it's clearly still Dirkman Pitstain, but just in a ninja costume. Yeah, yeah. And because they're literally leaving from the same building, uh, they meet up right outside the building after slowing off that outer shell of ninjas. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, just like you know, uh, try. They go to the local food cart, you know, grab some paper towels, you know, chat a little bit. It, it's pretty low key. It's um, very low key. It, it the, the 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 like high action to low like everyday thing is is immediate well we don't have the here's your next mission basil exposition thing because that that is uh not how dirkman pitstain rolls so what we need to have instead is the hangout yep the hangout sesh yeah and, and then you know i don't know if you were a fan of just nonsense conversations that don't go anywhere and something like the hangover but we get easily 20 minutes of these guys doing that yeah yeah the hangover uh the dankover um also was a good example of this if you don't mind the like stoner talk um but here it's it's a lot more of like man that you you sure did kill a lot of those guys yeah did you see what kind of knife are you using let me see that oh man look at the crafting on this and you know beautiful close-ups all of the dialogue is by Dirkman Pitstain. Uh, the Kikamama Ninja is just licking his lips as every new uh, martial arts aficionado from a different discipline get goes into the same diner as well as these uh, three assassins. So this is this is kind of how we find out about the the main plot, <clears throat> because um, you know as they're having this low key conversation, uh, the assassins are like throwing knives at him and just missing every time. They're like landing in cutting boards and pits and and you know a, a waiter at one point. I think that's a pretty funny shot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very nice uh, like we are the important ones in the movie. Everyone else is collateral damage. Uh, but but uh, in, in his ideology, collateral damage is okay. Yeah, it's, listen, you can't get the delicious fruit without leaving a few pits. Exactly. Um, but, the, but the knives are, are, like, branded, like they have trademarks on them, so that's pretty easy to trace back to the bad guy. Exactly. And, and I do appreciate the fact that both Dirkman Pitstain and Kick em Up Ninja, as they're eating their hoagies, which honestly that looks like a nice meal. Um, they... Dude, I mean, like, a <laughs> big, big uh, exercise sequence followed by Hoagie, he's down yeah, after he's, that. They're, they're really sleepy by the end of this. Uh, they, they, do, they do one of their, um... You know, in, uh, in the movie Rounders, how, uh, Matt Damon and Edward Norton go... They're, they're like, on the tail end of, like, a 30-hour poker bender... And they just, mm-hmm. like, they, they can't rest because they got uh, bills to pay. And so the way they relax is going to a barber shop and getting a shave. Uh, hmm. They do that, but their version of it 
is to go to a Sealy's mattress outlet and, like, just intimidate the staff so that they can take a nap on the mattresses with people still walking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not immune to product placement. Those are comfy mattresses. Oh, yeah, no, I mean... Multiple mattresses... Mattry? What's the plural? I think it's mattry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is weird that they just... They let them eat the hoagies in the store, but, I mean, that's fine. I, I would spend so much money at a mattress store if they had hoagies. Seriously. Uh, but, yeah, so Dirkman Pitstain, they've got the evidence... It's very easy to trace back to the bad guys. It's le- they're laying them out for Dirkman Pitstain to kind of do some ops. He ignores this. He- That's just what they want him to do. They want him to stumble on the clues and fall into their traps and have to, you know, and they wear him down over the course of a week with, uh, you know, with escalating bad guy se- fight sequences. He's not having that. No, he's... He's he's like, you know, this is he, he's kind of coming up to the climax of a James Bond movie before we have gotten through any of the plot where he's like, <laughs> I've been I've been following them for too long. It's time for me to set the pace. And uh, yeah, mini golf time for mini golf. Mm-hmm. He, he yeah, so goes it, he goes through a series of just personal day relaxation errands, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, and then it, it's it's. It's a nice thing to see the softer side for these action heroes. Yeah, because in, in like in the show, you're watching him be an undercover cowboy, and he never gets to rest. Right? He's like up for weeks, you know, doing who knows what. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, you know, he goes to the spa. He gets a, a lovely, uh, you know, a sauna, a bath, um, and as a result, like all of these master assassins and uh people under the baron's employ who would normally fight them in these pre-planned encounters like you already spent the money on assassins man they they better you better get your money's worth so now they have to fight him on his turf which is the sauna (laughs) right and uh just like the diner he the the assassins just kind of can't deal like the guy with glasses goes into the sauna and like his glasses are all fogged up so all of his poison blow darts just go into a nearby uh masseuse Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they use it for acupuncture, and you know that that kills the other assassin that he didn't know about, who was getting a massage. Yep, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Dirkman Pitstain doesn't knowingly encounter an assassin until easily two thirds through the movie. Hmm. Yeah. After after we've had some, you know, actually that's a that's kind of a plot hole. Why is he going to all these training montages and mas- martial arts masters if he doesn't know that? Like, there is a threat. It's because, well, I mean, like, I had the same thought, and if you are a James Bond-esque action hero akin to a, uh, akin to a Dirkman Pitstain, you, you know, you go work out often enough, and then it feels weird not to do it. Like, part of his oh, relaxation yeah. mantra is to, you know, break boards in half with his forehead. Sure, sure. Uh, which seems to be his main form of combat, now that I think about it, it it's headbutt heavy, right? And then you got kick 'em up ninja working the lower side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, torsos really don't get uh, too too battered in this. It's all oh, limbs. Buck, Buck Nasty handles the uh, handles the torso action. Oh yeah, he, he just steamrolls through a torso like nothing. <laughs> oh man, you st- you see that hot torso earlier? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna steamroll through that torso. <laughs> that's a pretty disgusting <laughs> euphemism <laughs> listen it's a it's a disgusting maneuver yeah yeah uh so he's he's just kind of doing his day off routine uh 
meanwhile, kick him up, Ninja. You know, like he didn't have an a, a, a you know a Christmas hangover. He's Jewish, uh, so mm-hmm. he doesn't have to do his uh, day off routine. But it seems like Dirkman Pitstain's kind of got everything hand in hand. So um, he goes and just tries to run up some trouble on his own. Yeah, this this beautiful little anti-hero moment where in the absence of any villains to fight, you got to make some, right? Um so he's going to he's going to jump in his in his uh, penny farthing. Mm-hmm. And ride around town and and uh, you know, you know, get into some action. Uh so so and the uh, the song is uh, Dashboard by Modest Mouse when he when he jumps in and plays this. I think it's a good good fit. It's a good fit. I also really like that the animation style goes back to like Scott Pilgrim era of now we're in a video game and it's like a it's like a side-scrolling, side-scrolling beat em up for this section. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like he he doesn't have enough like internal agency to figure out what to do, and he looks up and there's like a flashing arrow saying like go. Yep, yep. And so he he's just doing this side-scrolling beat beat em up um, against a bunch of erotic uh, judo masters. Uh, yep. And it be- beautifully animated uh, pectoral flexing. Yeah. On, on, yeah, they, on they, the they spent like a, a full minute on the pectoral flexing. Yeah, I wonder uh, if it was like an intimidation display, like kind of like gorillas do. Well, there there was uh, in the commentary, I, I watched the commentary track mm-hmm. as well. Uh, they were talking about how they had planned to have more sequences like this, but they just, you know, they ran out of time. It was on the cutting room floor. But there's, you know, there's some bootleg footage of, you know, the, the glute flexing, uh, a little bit, some crunches, some squats. Yeah, uh, it's it's actually. I think they could turn it into a workout video with just a little bit of editing. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if they got Richard Richard Simmons to kind of you know choreograph some of this bit. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if they didn't. There's there's enough erotic flexing that uh, is is pretty much up his alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but up the other alley, up the crime alley nearby, uh, we get sort of our our first a threat to him that kind of makes him wonder if something else is going on, you know, so, something grander. Um, and this this is a holy roller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, his, his, his head is a rolling pin. Mm-hmm. Which is yep, and it, not a thing and that body, anyone else can do. Yeah, it's it's like a hammerhead shark, but it's, uh, you know, it's got a, an independent axle. Yeah. Uh, and also his body is Swiss cheese. So, you know, Dirkman goes... mixed metaphor here. Yeah, the holy roller. So he, so he goes to punch him, goes right through. There's holes there. Right. Um, and, and he goes to, like, snap his neck around, but it's it's fully rotating. Like, like, his normal stuff doesn't work, and he's like, this had to have been sent specifically for me. Right, right. And he, you know, he's, he says out loud, and he's, he's not one for words, right? He's a strong, silent type. So whenever he says something you know it's uh, it's important. It's very much like a Silent Bob thing. So he says, um, if only I had some way to steamroll a torse. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Der Buck Nasty, uh, who, who they do like this little tag team kind of kind of battle against him, still in the beat-em-up mm-hmm. uh, side-scroller style. Yep. Uh, and it's great. This is, this is well yeah, choreographed. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen somebody get chest bumped to death, but it is it is intense. It's cheesy, it's slimy, uh, it's bloody, and it was, you know, it was tastefully done, I will say. I, th- I think that it, this is a highlight of the movie. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the team up. The team up is really good, and it just makes Buck Nasty's eventual betrayal all the, all the more tragic. Yep. 
Um, and we get a little bit of uh, Dirkman Pitstain's catchphrase. Uh, you, you know, he says, this guy was sent to kill me, Dirkman Pitstain, or my name isn't Dirkman Pitstain. He always says, or my name isn't Dirkman Pitstain, after also saying his name Dirkman Pitstain. <laughs> Which is, by the way, <laughs> Dirkman Pitstain. Yeah, he even triples up on it sometimes. Uh, it mm-hmm. really gives you a feel for like the downside of living each day as though it's your last is is the kind of egomania that goes with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a character so flagrantly exhibit that he has no rich inner life. It, it, he's very it's a very sad caricature of the action hero archetype. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, that's you know, that's um that's punctuated because. During this long fight, it's a long fight sequence against the 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 roller, the head roller, uh, the cheese man. Holy roller. Holy roller. Thank you. Um, it's a long fight scene, like ten minutes mm-hmm. easily. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, the 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 easier animation style makes it. Uh, they they wanted to stretch this. It makes for sense. budget reasons. Yeah, and the longer it goes on, the the stretchier the cheese becomes. Um, intermittently, through this sequence. Uh, we do cut over to Dirkman Pitstain. He's having an afternoon nap. He just hits the snooze button. Uh, it's like three mm-hmm. p.m. It's not a when. It's a, it, it like it's it's a it's a it's a weekday. He has nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. He's he's you know he learns about this big threat and then he's just like, well, I'll deal with that later, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No rich in our life, like you said. Um. So this is where the movie kind of starts to drag a bit um it feels a lot of unmotivated moving around before the betrayal right plot relevance keeps on trying to to explain things to him we get a couple more scenes of the avocado baron you know just kind of just kind of doing the same thing we've already seen them do um i think because they were trying to compress the feel of the show into a movie but shows need recaps right shows need defining formulaic moments and and you don't really need that in a movie where we just saw things happen it's it 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 definitely denotes a lack of confidence in their property that they keep on relying on the gimmick of this uh, of this character. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the fact that he is continuously giving the same monologue with no iteration to the <laughs> same henchman uh, to yeah. establish the character, and it's a funny monologue. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I, the Avocado Baron, am going to unleash my plan upon the world. What plan, you ask? Well, let me tell you. You see, long ago, I was just a lot... La- like, he goes into a whole backstory. He goes into a whole backstory. Growing up in the old country and, and uh, you know, learning to live in the new country, and there's there's some shtick in there. It's a good backstory. It just... It, the, the repetition without any iteration does make it drag. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing I do love about it, though, is that he does not seem to know how to pronounce avocado. <laughs> yeah forgot about this like uh, oh, he, he'll say sentences like and these avocados i got the best avocados uh and, yeah. and you wouldn't believe these avocados uh if if i hit you on the wrong like it, it in the same sentence he kind of just mush mouths his way through it yeah yeah when, when he fights later he's like your bravado is no match for my avocado or or avocado is how he pronounces it i think it, it doesn't even necessarily have the same letters it's like a jawada is is like some, <laughs> sometimes where he ends up my abercrombies yeah it, it, and my fitches so uh yeah and and i think that that is all kind of you know 
he clearly got this barren ship out of nepotism. <laughs> he did, he, Describe to me a baron who doesn't get it out of nepotism. Uh, I don't know. Like I, you know, in the backstory, uh, you know, Conrad uh, Avocado, the you know, kind of the frontierman of Ava- Avocado Baronship. Yeah, the Lord in Exile. Yeah, yeah. He he seemed to you know he, he built himself again from the ground up. He earned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this yeah, guy he's, just he's was a, uh... this this was a trust fund kid with a penchant uh, for exposition. And, and Conrad is implanting that idea that, you know, there, there isn't one particular right time or ripe time, as he says. He's using the sauna it. to sort of accelerate his growth process. I love it. What did you think of the five-minute interpretive dance sequence? Oh, awesome. Loved it. This was a bright spot in the soggy middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, it, it, yeah. like, it's all the characters that we've already come to know. Darkman Pitstain, uh, Kick'em Up Ninja... Uh, Buck Wild and uh, the Avocado Baron, they have fruit suits. Like, they are the yeah, pits yeah. of these oversized middle school play fruit suits. So they're doing interpretive dance, but without any ability to use limbs or most of their bodies. It's just different kind of wide stances. It's very difficult to find the interpretation in it, uh, which well, I, I, I think, appreciate. You know, it's, it's like they're doing like a fruit suit riot where... They're, they're showing what the fight scene is going to be like later on, but Fruit can't really move that way. Right, right. And, and we didn't like, say it. Dirkman Pitstain cannot really move that well. <laughs> like, every time yeah. he gets up out of a chair and he's like, oh, my lumbago. Oh, and you like, oh. you hear the cracking of his back. And it's like, this guy is like 55 or something. <laughs> I mean, he's he's getting on in years, but also like he's too buff to be flexible. Like, um, one of the only attackers that actually kind of gets through and makes him doubt himself is just this cat who gets onto his back, and he can't like pull it off. Right? He's he just like the elbows don't bend that way that far anymore. You know, he, um, and, he doesn't and, hasn't done the requisite stretching. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the cat from Cat Scratch. Uh, this is a little reference and tie-in from that other property. Oh, from um, Cat Grab. Yeah, from Cat Grab. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 we should do Cat Grab at some point. Um, I'm not like, eager to try. It's important. You I know, know like, it's important. I just, it's I can't. It's 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 a show for a whole podcast, not for an episodic podcast. We would be disrespecting the furry community if we didn't at least try. I recognize that we can try. I, I just don't think that we need to be... Uh, I'm I'm not eager to put that on the list, let's say. I, I'll slip it in for a spite cast sometime. Fine, fine. You've earned it. <laughs> what was our last uh, spite cast? It must have been like uh, uh, Electric Jolly Rancher. No, it was uh, Electric Jolly Roger. Mm, yeah, the the spinoff. Yeah, which I maintain is just as strong as the original. And I know that you disagree. Uh, and that's why it's a spike cast. Yeah, it, I, listen, I mean, the reheateds are really, you know, they could go in any direction. And it did. Oh, yeah, it went in a lot of Rogery directions. So we're kind of getting uh, up to the climax of the movie mm. now. Uh, and it's at this point that the movie kind of tells you, okay... Enough bullshitting. Let's get down to brass tacks. And in fact, they are not done bullshitting. There's like 15 more minutes of bullshitting. But <laughs> yeah, because yeah. because you know you you need Pitstain to like get 
won over on him, right? Like he needs to be captured for the villain to give his speech or something. But he, but like they, the writers kind of forget, and they like keep putting him in increasingly uh, uh, inescapable or uh, insurmountable situations, and he just like punches his way through or headbutts his way through. There's, there's like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing with the Baron of sure. uh, the Avocado Baron because a lot of his operatives will kidnap. Dirkman Pitstain while he's in the death trap of another uh, operative of the Avocado Baron. So he'll get, like, grabbed out of a shark tank to be put upside down in a cave, you know? There's mm-hmm. a lot of that going around. It's 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 too many. It's it's too many intersecting, like, murder, tr- murder yeah, tricks. And, and, like, really just, like, the nepotism of the Avocado Baron really being showed up. Like, he's not a good manager. He doesn't really know how... The, the logistical mm-hmm. concerns of being a modern Avocado Baron is uh is is pretty plain to see the the trap that eventually gets him is he gets lured into this new year's ball that starts to fall mm-hmm. um and uh he realizes that somebody's cut the like timing mechanism so it's all gonna fall at once and take him and uh, buck nasty with him buck wild buck wild sorry i keep thinking buck nasty because of the just raw sexual energy i know it's hard it's uh it's very very hard um but but buck wild and and like this reveal got me pretty good honestly Mm -hmm. i thought that buck wild was mostly a solid dude i thought that we were gonna get that chest bumping team up for the final boss fight and suddenly uh kick him up ninja is crippled he i like emotionally uh but also buck wild broke one of his legs in an act of sexual congress so he's operating yeah. at half kicking capacity. Uh, and, and, you know, whenever he used to, ki- like, when he kicks, and it's the same with the action figure, he lifts both legs into the ground and hopes he can get them underneath him before he lands, you know? He very rarely does. The kick goes off well. That's why. He kind of, like, lands on his hands and, like, back hand flips onto his feet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he just misses that, too, and he just collapses. Like, no one ever takes down Kick Him Up Ninja. He just does it enough that he gets fatigued and takes himself out. Yeah, but but with one leg down, like it, it limits him, you know. He does. He, he and and that's when you know he they start to wonder like is Buck Wild, you know, did, was that intentional? Yeah, and I think and how dare he? I think it was. Um, it was sort of like uh, I. It, it was sort of like the end of Karate Kid where he's like. Uh, I'm so sorry I swept the leg. I didn't. I didn't want to do it. It was like it was my orders. You know, I, I do think that there's love there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was an accident. He shouldn't have been standing there. <laughs> he, he, he shouldn't have. And in fact, he didn't. <laughs> he fell down because his leg was broken. Uh, but he does. How play... dare you? How dare you lie under oath to sexual congress? <laughs> I actually hate. I actually love that a lot. Yeah, I, I I just love the term sexual congress. Sexual congress is uh is 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 a beautiful nonsense phrase <laughs> that we've all just accepted as a like better euphemism. Well, yeah, I don't it, understand how it's got gravitas in a way that it shouldn't. Mm, it because it's so vague, it could be anything, right? We're not, you know, we're not putting the limiters on what does and does not count as sex. Mm-hmm. It's all just in the building. It's in the room where it happens or the sausage gets laid. <laughs> that, that, um, is, that is also good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, judicial fornication is something that is underrepresented in uh, life. In our government, certainly. Uh, honestly, just loosen them up a little, you know? <laughs> it would, it, it, there, it's gotta, there's gotta be something to get people to come together again. Hey. 
yeah. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's in this death ball. He's 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 in the death ball. So it's a New Year's Eve ball, and the idea is the James Bond trap is when it drops all the way to the bottom. Uh, okay, you're gonna have to explain this to me, because he says the Baron, uh, the avocado Baron, does the whole. Uh, I know, no, Mister Pitstain. I expect you to die. Thing he explains that when the ball drops, he'll be dead. There isn't anything in this ball that will kill him. It it, yeah, it doesn't no. drop quickly. It's just like an accepted. We're in a James Bond situation, and therefore, when it drops, you'll be dead. But there's not actually any death trap here. It's it's that it's that fruit imagery, right? You drop an apple on the floor. It's like that. That doesn't seem like it should have ruined the whole apple, but it did. Oh, is that why they use the five-second rule? And, um, you know, they, 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 they let him out of the death bowl, but because five seconds haven't passed, it, it he isn't dead yet? Is that what they're going for? Uh, I think it's more like he's the pit, but without the fruit, he gets shaken up or something. Like like it's a it's a blunt fo- it's a blunt force thing. Plus also a little bit of shrapnel. Maybe. Plus they filled they threw some piranhas in there without any water. I don't know what that was. That's the, the, again too much in at once. Yeah, I think the so I think what happened is um, some of the assassins were like, okay, we need piranhas. The other ones are like, oh, we need to. <laughs> when you say some of the assassins, Piranodon wanted piranhas. Piranodon was on the fence. It was really, <laughs> it, it was it was really Eels McGee who wanted the piranhas, mm. which I, I thought that he was just pandering to Piranodon. Uh, Piranodon knows. He's a good villain. Yeah. Avocado Baron is not a good villain. Piranodon knows when piranhas are required and vital. Yeah, and and he's he's doing some work for the Baron, like as community service. It, yeah, it's sort of a contract gig. Uh, he's he's uh, the Baron is is putting together his evil league of evil, and clearly all of the other villains around the table kind of don't want to be there because they know that he didn't earn the position. I I I can we talk briefly about this league of evil because we don't spend a lot of time on any of them. Sometimes we get a placard, sometimes we just see an image, but I just want to kind of go around and say like some of the ridiculous character designs I saw. Yeah, go for it. Cuz 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 like if they ever come back for a third season, this is I want some of these villains in there. Uh so I I saw a guy whose lower half was an old-timey biplane. Oh yeah, yeah. Um I saw a name tag that was like uh, the grip it ripper. I don't know what a grip it is, but uh, the ripping part. De- but I'm terrified of it ripping. Yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, he, that's just the, the Freddy Krueger claws, and they're not on his fingers; they're on his face. It's horrible. <laughs> One of them was just Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Bustin Himberlake, I think, was was the name. Mm-hmm. Which uh, did, and people and people were like, "What do you think we should do, Bustin?" Who, who should we bust? Him, and then he take for a lake <laughs> under his breath. <laughs> what kind of le- what, which lake do you want to go to? Burr Lake, oh, like a cold one. <laughs> I I don't I don't hate that. I don't I don't hate just Justin very clearly just Justin Timberlake with a wig. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a guy whose fingers were sharpies. I I don't know what his deal is, but probably some art thief. Maybe or art vandalism. Uh, they, he was actually one of a pair of uh, of uh, of villains. The the guy across the table. They weren't contiguous, so I'm not surprised you didn't put it together. The guy across the table, who uh, his, his entire armor was made out of deflated tires. Uh, they were sharp and flat. Oh, 
Hmm. Yeah, that that that's that that's their uh, that's their villain couple name, Sharp and Flat. I I I don't hate that. Um, yeah, I think they're teeing you know, up for 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 a sequel thing. That reminds me of that show where there was like uh, uh, all kinds of musical based puns um, for for like a team, but they were like a like a community team, like. You know they did they did musical adventures kind of a slice of life thing. Oh, what what what, what am I thinking of? You're, you're, it, it's a it's it's one of those light novel anime adaptations. Uh, one of those. Um, I got transported to a world where there was a musical conductor and I was him. That like it, those, one yes, of those full yes. sentence kind of light anime <laughs> adaptation things. Can I can I be real? I don't think that the names of those are going to age well, but I love seeing it, them. They're wonderful. They're <laughs> I I never want this age to end. <laughs> I, it's so like, fun. Back in the day, it would be like something in Japanese, like Yu Yu Hakusho. Like I don't know what that means, but I don't need to. It's a brand. Yeah. And then it was like Naruto. It's a dude's name. Yeah. And now it's just like I am a person who is a gazebo in another world where everyone's full of candy corn. They, they are so similar to Chuck Tingle novels that I <laughs> I wonder about which one influenced the other. <laughs> a man ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, the man ahead of time was also here. He's kind of like a speedster. He is. He wasn't actually there. They kept on talking to him. He never showed up. Oh, it was like an after image. I, I like done in After Effects. Yeah, I think so. Like, cause he didn't respond. I just, he, to anything. he had such a he had such a strong presence in the in the second season. You know. Yeah, I agree. Cause, I was cause he was for he him. was in the second season. His whole thing was like, God, time is moving so slowly here in Idaho. I really got to pick up the pace. Yeah, this sucks. Yeah, a lot of his villains are like time based, like or or just like are obsessed with the nature of time. Well, he's living in the moment. He's doing a Lupin thing. His heart's on his sleeve. Dirkman's pit stain. You know. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and speaking of Dirkman Pitstain, uh, yeah, he, he. Oh, whose name is who, or his name isn't? Yeah, <laughs> Dirkman Pitstain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He asks, asks it as a question. <laughs> or my name isn't Dirkman Pitstain? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, his friends are just like, yeah, no, no, yeah, you are. Yeah, he's just checking. He's just making sure the class isn't asleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he escapes the death trap. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it, he's still surrounded by assassins who are assuming that there is a different plan to kill Dirkman Pitstain. So he's not out of it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he he like falls and crashes through the ball, and there's like the New Year's Eve, you know, celebrants who are like, "Yay, Happy New Year!" Half and he easily falls. half of them are plants from Avocado <laughs> Baron. Yeah, and they're not hiding it at all. Like, imagine going to a, a, a big, like, uh, like a downtown parade, and half the people are in like, you know, off-brand Nazi soldier gear. It's not Nazi soldier gear though. Like, they all are assuming a different theme of villainy, mm-hmm. so it looks more like a comic con than anything else. A little bit, yeah. Just everyone's playing uh, dress up in it as a different thing. There was some dude who was like just a gigantic double A battery. <laughs> like yeah, I wonder what arms. his deal is. I don't know. I didn't see him. He, it was just, it was a freeze frame bonus thing, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, like maybe his name's like Double A or or you know the Bat, but it's short for Battery. Oh, I like that. 
Um, but yeah, he, he when he falls down, he's like, people are about to celebrate by eating their you know New Year's avocados. And he's like, that doesn't seem right. And he slaps them out of their hand. <laughs> Just like a really long, you know, in Children of Men, when they had that long 10-minute sequence where the camera followed uh, the main character through a war zone? Mm. Uh, we have that, but he's just slapping avocados out of people's hands. <laughs> it's like, they're too ripe. It's too perfect. Learn to yep, deal with yep. disappointment. Uh, and that's <laughs> when Kick em Up Ninja comes back to uh, to help bail him out. Yeah, and he doesn't need both legs because he's jumping and kicking with the one, like, jumping from villain to villain without ever touching the ground. It's, it's, it's a beautiful sequence. It's the classic shonen martial arts thing where, like, you think that he's been uh, broken, but that really unleashed his potential. My, my weakness is my strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, that that's that's kind of where the entire, the, the, the final fight starts to break break out. Um, mm-hmm. Buck Wild, you know, he's he's been revealed to be working on the side of the Awakaja Baron uh, this <laughs> this whole time. Uh, yeah. But uh, Kick Em Up Ninja has, uh, and he's got, like, kind of this crisis of conscience, and uh, Dirkman Pitstain does, like, the the, you know, the standard hero with a guy who, with with a friend who's going through a hard time thing, where he's just like, listen, man, you don't need both legs. You don't need romantic entanglements. You're, you are everything you need to be. You are at the core of your own fruit. Or my name isn't Dirkman Pitstain. uh, Or my name isn't Dirkman Pitstain. Which is also (laughs) Dirkman Pitstain. Um, Yeah, and, and, uh, and they, they, you know, team up and, and fight out um, and then this this song plays it's uh, I'm Alright by Jorts Alive I love Jorts Alive I wanted to see a live mm. performance but they like they, they it like suspiciously every show got rained out yeah yeah you gotta I mean listen if you're going out and some some shows you can go out and you're, it's like raining and you're like fine whatever I want to see the dead and it's uh, when everybody's wearing jean jackets doesn't work so well. Yeah, jorts are not a uh, weather-appropriate gear for anything other than the summer in the movie Top Gun. Jorts are not what we would call a fungible token, if you know what I mean. Oh, I know. Oh, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, all the emotional beats are kind of wrapped up. Uh, they just need to kind of do the final fight against the boss and escape thing. How do you feel about how this w- worked out? Yeah, I think it, uh, there were a couple of neat parts, but again, it, it sort of... Uh, falls apart. It doesn't. It doesn't land as well as I would like. So I like how, you know, they hop on the penny farthing and and ride off to his uh, his HQ, um, which is just the big letters HQ in the middle of the city. Love it. Um, it's kind of like a Titan's Tower. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom of the screen, we actually see the end of the uh, like credits, like it, as though it were like one long intro sequence where it's like. And, uh, you know, Enrico Medjico and Shemp Brown as Dirkman Pitstain in. And then as he punches through the windows of HQ, we get the title card, finally. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that's like a, it, it's like when the Lion King uh, shows up at the end of the Lion King as the title card. Like, well, like the whole cycle of rebirth <laughs> thing that is a uh, that is that is sort of a fruit. You know, it never actually occurred to me that the Lion King was referring to Simba. I I just thought it was Mufasa. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good. That's a good. <laughs> I didn't realize and that, and I just gave you the King. evidence for it. Yeah. It should have been the Lion Kings. Well, I mean, you can't have two kings. That's that's ridiculous. Why not? 
But it's it's the 21st century. I say that you could have two kings. Listen, we'll lead as two kings, but uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we get the title card, and then they like do the mop-up fight. Bear, Avocado Baron is not a fighter, so he does the Dr. Evil, oh shit, gotta get out of Dodge, but he doesn't get to his escape pod in time, so they just oh. beat the <laughs> shit out of him and then dump him in an unmarked grave. <laughs> yeah like i like loses some steam you know he there there are a couple of neat moments um he he throws some avocado bombs when, when he gets to his escape pod and he tries to oh it's like shaped like a big avocado and oh. he tries to open it but it's not ripe <laughs> no oh well it the, the the reason he couldn't open it like uh it was pretty fast and loose there but uh he was like trying to type in the password to open up the escape pod uh and the the, the password we we saw earlier from a freeze frame kind of thing was avocado, but he keeps mm-hmm. on putting in awajado or empacada. Like he he can't figure out how to say avocado. Abracadabra. Yeah, exactly. So he he just gets beaten to beaten the shit out of and thrown in an unmarked grave. Yeah, I mean, you know, it would be weird if the grave was marked when they threw him into it. They don't need to keep him around for other seasons, but I do like this stinger, which is uh. You know, the sort of man behind the man. Uh, there's somebody reading a dossier, uh, and, like, the secretary is like, looks like the bear, the, the avocado baron has been, shall we say, spoiled. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, this, uh, this, <laughs> this real British-sounding gentleman who, uh, he's, he's, he's wearing, like, Speedos and a winter coat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yep. and eye patch, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 pipe. And he's and he says, uh, "Well, he should have put some lemon juice on it so it would keep." After all, <laughs> avocados go bad so quickly. We'll see how Dirkman Pitstain fares against the Jake of all seasons. And we <laughs> and we and we pan out to the Jake of all seasons penthouse, which is like half beach, half igloo. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a it's a beautiful scene, right? Um, it's it's got um, you know the sand leading into that igloo, that classic igloo shape, mm-hmm. and then also there's like a weird like uh, tree with leaves falling off of it in the distance. There's a bike like, in the they background. They just had to get it in there. There's a bike in the background that is half dirt bike, half like winter, uh, you know, like like half snowboard. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. Yeah. I, 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 I would love to see the Jake of all seasons. I want to see that developed. There's been some great fan art uh, since oh, this came out. Oh, God, yes. And, like, you, any seasonal attire, it works. Mm-hmm. He's well lauded in the, uh, you know, the same kind of community that uh, likes to watch uh, Crabgrass Fever. Yeah, I, I've seen some art on on uh, on, uh, on Doviant art, you know, the kind of deviant art side hustle. Mm-hmm. That, that is that is pretty uh, pretty impressive. It makes me want to yeah. see more of him. Uh, and oh, how great I want to see it, more. How great is he for theming? Like, yes, Dirkman Pitstain, the person who is like, hey, man, every time is good time. He beat the guy for whom only a particular time of the year is a good time for avocados. But now he's going to be facing someone on his own level who is like, yes, all the time works. I'm good at, in every season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. we Rabbit we, season, duck season. Rabbit season, yeah. Duck season again. Mm-hmm. All of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it was animated up to this point, but then we get uh, 
a live action that, that we segment. Get, yeah, it, it morphs into a live action uh, Darren Terwilliger. Well, well, half live action, half puppets. Half pu- puppets, but the half live action is D- the, Darren Terwilliger, who is originally credited with the credited with the conception of uh, Buck Wild. So I, I liked that that he gets a little cameo. Mm-hmm. But not to, like he's not allowed to be shown on film, so they have to rotoscope it. But you know who it is. It's very obvious. And we've discussed his history before. You know, only we don't have one to get person into with it. handlebar mustache that low. Yeah, exists. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he exists. Boy, does he! I, I would love to see him <laughs> recoup his role as the Jake of all seasons for uh, what I hope to be a uh, Dirkman Pitstain too. I never thought of it, but I guess is like an animated season and a live action season both count as seasons? Yeah. So he's kind of transcendent in that way. He but yeah, is. If, if you're going to, I, I think um, it would be really cool if they did come out with a third season of this. Which you know, it's been it's been ten years. I don't think they're going to do it at this point. But maybe you know, the next wave of uh, nostalgia baiting. Listen, it, um, it's either Dirkman Pitstain two or Silk Song. Give me one of them. <laughs> I don't I don't care which at this point. We've been waiting for so long. I don't care which. And there was that there was one of the assassins named Silk Song. In like a bathrobe with a harp. Yeah, that was kind of like the femme fatale judo or a, a martial art of like silk hiding steel using the seduction as a weapon kind of thing, which is sort of a James Bond thing, so I appreciated its relevance in a action movie hero plot. Yeah, but he was he was in the middle of a hoagie. Like you gotta you gotta time that out. And also, just you know, uh, kick him up, ninjas. Tastes do not run that way. So yeah. her seduction was useless. Yep. Anyway, cool. um, yeah. So that's uh, Dirkman Pitstain's New Year's Bash. Yeah, yeah. I really like the metaphor of the New Year's Eve. Like you know, it's a day out of the year. You can celebrate it like it's a big deal, but it doesn't have to be on New Year's for you to celebrate New Year's Eve. You can celebrate it whenever. It's it's really weird conceptually that the day before we have to go back and have our regular life is the day when we're supposed to stay up way too late. I, I think it's more like a uh, oh, a way of signifying, okay, uh, Christmas spirit is done with. You should no longer feel free. Yeah, stop looking at the past. We're looking toward the future. Indeed, Auld Lang Syne. Indeed. Uh, any, any closing thoughts? Uh, I think they kept the spirit of the show, certainly. Um, this had some better production values for the action sequences, which I liked. Brilliant performance um, uh, on the part of Buck Wild. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very nice. I think that they did a lot with his character. Um, Love the betrayal aspect. Mm-hmm. I think it's both... It's It's one of those things that's like both too... Like, uh, uh, there's not enough room for certain moments to breathe, but there's also a lot, like, not a lot going on at certain moments. Um, I think they 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 felt too hemmed in by the uh, formula of the episodes of the of the show yeah. that they couldn't really figure out how the movie is supposed to play different. It's a problem we have a lot of the time with these uh, with these shows become movies, which is that the people who are writing the show don't really know how to pace things for a movie. Definitely mm-hmm. on on brand here. Even though I would not trade any of the uh, Dirkman Pitstain hitting the snooze button kind of uh, kind of interquel scenes. Like that's important context for his character. Uh, he should yeah. be tired some of the time. He's a goddamn action hero. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit realistic. Uh, you know, I've I've seen enough snooze button montages in my life from the uh, Groundhog Day animated show. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, we, we, we've had this problem before in Jackknife. We've had it in um, in the Scrabble Wars. Mm-hmm. All, all these shows were just like, they can't decide what to emphasize. And so you get a lot packed into not a lot happening. Blockbeats did it well. Yeah, Blockbeats did it better, certainly. Um, you know, but they, they, they kind of had the pacing down by season two. That's true. Where, like, first five minutes, let's just set up the dominoes. Next 15 minutes, knock them all down one by one. Give exactly as much time to the next one. Like, And they had big they, Lego they had in their science. pocket for, for, for finances, so I'm not surprised that they were able to hire the talent necessary. Oh, and Stomp on the music? Are you kidding me? I'm not. Never would I kid about Stomp. Uh, <laughs> never would I ever. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for this bootleg segment. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, you can uh, share your enjoyment by going to fancybat.com slash cartoncast, where you can leave a comment at our contact page. You can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It really helps mm-hmm. us out and validates our existence. And more than anything else, uh, have a happy New Year's, which you can do yeah. any time of the year. Any any goddamn time you can decide, hey, I'm going to change my life around and, and do things better and you know, finally make that perfect guac. Yeah. Um, ben, what are we watching next time? Are, we're still in the holiday uh, holiday movie sequence, right? Yeah. Well, we are. We're we're going to be going kind of a weird direction, though. Um, we're going to be watching Binary Fever. Mm. The robot holiday. The robot holiday. It's mostly CGI, but not in the places that you'd expect. I'm I'm excited to talk about the format. Um, I learned about a, a lot about the binary language. There's a lot of things that I've said in binary that are actually, you know, they're 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 actually ethnic slurs to the robot kind, and uh, so I I learned a lot. Uh, it's gonna be a dicey conversation. Gonna have a fun edit. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too proud to admit that uh, I've never uh, fucked up and called someone a cyborg when in fact they are a uh, uh, an automaton. You try to learn. You know, not the slur, but when I heard somebody say Mandroid to one of my good personal robot friends, mm. uh, we, we, you know, got to call them out. Yeah, man. I, I hear you. You're, you're doing God's work. Robot God's work. The only God I recognize. He's the only one who, like, you know, keeps the errata up to date. Yeah, yeah. When I needed new RAM for my computer, who was there for me? The firmware updates for <laughs> Judeo-Christian <laughs> God just do not come out quickly enough. When when I was walking through the sand and there was only one devlog, that's when <laughs> Robot God was walking with me. <laughs> uh, and Zane, what are we watching after that? Yeah, after that, um, we are checking out a movie about the um, summer solstice. So this is Souls to Ice. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, you know, it's just talking about like, you know, when when things heat up, will love bloom uh, or will, you know, their affections turn to ice? It's a... It's, uh, you know, it's it's not a major holiday, and it's kind of similar to some of the stuff that we've done before, but it's got Ambrose Doubleday, whom we loved in Egg Salad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I heard, and maybe you can fact check me on this, that they got into some legal trouble because they were trying to crib too close to Frozen. Yeah, yeah, but with grain. Like, yeah. Everything's heating up, and now there's more grain or something. Yeah, like too much was, grain, uh, so we have to much. not let it go. Like that felt like a derivative musical choice. I don't know. You know, it's it's a it's a foreign market. It's Who Dutch, can say? Um, so it's it's going to be a little bit like the cultural 
acceptability of grif- of uh, of stealing things is you know it's different. Yeah, accept accept other people's cultures. Uh, normalize stealing, I say. <laughs> normalize theft. Uh, but that's uh, that's that's all we got. Zane, do you want to send us off with a classic Dirkman Pitstain line? Well, Ben. Uh, until next time. This sure was a movie, or my name isn't Dirkman Pitstain. Because it's not Dirkman Pitstain. Question mark? Because that's the name of the guy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you! Soldier Boy, tell Hey, I got this new damn for y'all called the Soldier Boy. Just got a punch, then crank back three times from left to right. Soldier Boy, I'm in it. Superman, now I mean you. Crank that soul, now I mean you. Crank that soul, now I mean you.